I think a lot of things are going to be free. You know, if you're a mediocre writer or artist, you know, AI can replace you <laughs> in two seconds. So you have to be unique. But it's just about the relationship. People don't pay for the art by itself. People pay for the story behind the art. People want to pay you. People want to support you and your family. So that's why people pay you. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. I want to jump straight into this amazing conversation. For those who have been listeners to the show for a long time, I always bring some of the most incredible guests from around the world. And one of our best guests we've had was Ken Honda, the author of Happy Money and so many other books that have been released both in the Japanese language and English language. He comes here and shares his amazing philosophy around money. I've been getting messages, comments, and a lot of you speaking about how you've enjoyed the conversation we've had about the flow of money, understanding how do we associate money and sales? What can we do to be better at managing our money and how it has so much to do more with our emotions than the actual instruments that exist out there? His mindset around money is so refreshing in a world that seems to pump fear around money. This is going to be a breath of fresh air and an interesting conversation to shift our beliefs and understanding about money. At the root of the fear of sales often comes our association with the fear of money which is why this topic is something I want to bring forward, go deeper, and bring back the one and only Ken Honda to the show. Ken, welcome back. It's such a pleasure to have you again. Hi, Jason. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be back. That means people didn't like me. <laughs> they didn't like you. They loved you. And no, honestly, the message that you brought was so refreshing. At a time which was just a little less than a year ago, we were talking about some of the upcoming changes that were happening, some of the stresses that might be going through. You labeled it a bit of a roller coaster ride that we are about to get into. And we've started to see some of these cracks start to get a little wider. And I wanted to just maybe get an update, let's say like the global one year update since our last conversation. Are we jumping into a little more turbulent times or are we still at the early stages? I think we're starting to enjoy the roller coaster ride, you know, we just a little bit up and down. And then, you know, when you go up, like you hear this crack and then you get scared. And that's where we are. Yeah. Well, you know, just to highlight some of the things that have been happening since the last conversation, let's say in the crypto space, we've seen some major players that we thought were good, realized they were a bit fraudulent, not so strong as we expected. We've seen some major banks have some failures causing some memories from maybe 2008. And some people, again, coming scared. We're seeing inflation numbers. We're seeing interest rates. We're seeing all these different types of words that it's like, oh my God, like, am I supposed to just stop everything I'm doing, study what's happening and be obsessed and glued to the news to make sure that I don't get caught with this? Or are there some better ways that I should be spending my time knowing that these changes are happening? Yeah, you know, it's a tough time because we don't know what to believe anymore. You know, the government says certain thing and then overnight they say totally different thing. You know, I think the night after what happened in Silicon Valley, they said they're not going to protect anybody, you know, within over a $250,000 mark. But since everybody was so panicked, like, I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to protect everybody. And then people feel like, oh, you know, calm down. But if they did stick with a policy, which they did in 2008, that's what 
started the whole thing, you know, Lehman Brothers and everything. I think the government was good. They handled it nicely. But it's just a tip of the iceberg. So everything is going to stop because nobody can fix it. You know, it's been too big. So we're waiting for the last blow, you know, and that's what's happening in China, Europe, and North America, and everywhere. So we have to fasten a seatbelt and ready for a fun ride. <laughs> well, one of the things I wanted to bring up that I thought was quite interesting from our last conversation is, you know, our relationship with money, we could even label money to be some sort of personality or a persona or an individual. And depending on what we think this individual is, our relationship to this news could be very different. And I'd be curious to know within your own concepts, are there some traditional, call it like avatars or personas that we manifest with money? Is it like, do we usually see it as a father figure, a mother figure, or maybe an enemy? Are there some of these that are typical or some that are maybe a little more toxic versus some that are a little more beneficial for us to have as a view of money? Thank you. I love your questions, Jason. You're so creative. You know, about money, my favorite question is if money was a person, who would it be? It could be a scary monster or it could be a assassin with a trench coat with a black hat and then have a gun with a silencer, right? <laughs> or like, oh, I'm going to go, and oh my God, he's going to attack me. Or he or she could be such a generous, like a personal trainer who walks with you and who gives you all the encouragement of our life. If money was a nice person and then if you have a good relationship with money, Money can be like a genie, you know, in the story that will scratch a lamp and then this thing shows up and said, how can I, you know, serve you? And then he or she will do anything for you. Money can work wonders like that, or it could be a villain. It depends on your past and also what you think and what you feel every day. Yeah, I love that you brought the personal trainer example, because just this morning I was out for a run and there was a trainer. And they came alongside me and they were encouraging me. But at the same time, I could also notice that, hey, you know, sometimes I had to work harder to be able to continue the pace. They were pushing me and I had to face discomfort to be able to get to the goal that I wanted to reach. And it sounds to me like the upcoming roller coaster is almost like, a, hey, we have to pay the bill from the debt that might have been accumulated or there might be the extra effort that we want to put in so that, you know, we weather that storm, we're prepared for it, we're training for it. And that's why I'm wondering, like, as we see this roller coaster happen, like, I think our ideas of what that looks like is disaster, end of the world, like really amplified fear, because that's usually the messages that come to mind when perhaps it's just actually just being a bit more prepared and having a vision of like, okay, how do we navigate this more by being prepared? And I'd just be curious to know, like, if I am going through that training and I am wanting to be more prepared, are there some tangible things you would suggest for people to navigate the coming storm? Right. So... I cannot predict what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. But what could happen is an international financial crisis. And then we might lose our job, we might lose our business. So what's most important and what will be left is an invisible asset. And I don't know if I talked about visible asset, invisible asset. A visible asset is money, stocks, and gold, and bitcoins, and all that. Uh, invisible asset is friendship, trust, and community. And if you have good community, like in a lot of Latin cultures and Asian cultures, they have very strong bond. So if you're in trouble, your brothers and sisters, your neighbors or people in your community will help you. Unfortunately, in many industrialized countries, you know, 
that kind of strong ties are lost. That's why people get depressed because you cannot depend on your best friends or even brothers and sisters. You know, I realized after doing a lot of money seminars in the West, most of the industrialist country uh, people are so cut off. So you cannot rely on your brothers and sisters. You know, you don't talk about money among your family members. So relying on your parents could be like almost like a shame and disgrace. You know, but I think to me, that's what families are for. That's what friends are for. That's what brothers and sisters are for. We are supposed to help one another. So I think we're going to experience a lot of that too. So we are good at giving. We are so bad at receiving. So many of us will be forced into a situation, but we rely on one another, right? And then if you have more than enough, please go out there and just start helping people. You know, during the COVID situation, I started my personal basic income for a few people. And then I supported some families who needed the financial help. And I'm ready to do the same thing. And I can help thousands of people that way, but at least I can help somebody just around me. So if you have more than enough, that is also a challenge. You know, after feeding your family, can you just be generous enough to just share what you have and then go through this? It's not going to go forever. You know, economy comes and goes. So I remember one of the Japanese wealthy philanthropists in 200 years ago, they just opened up a big storage place. You know, a lot of rice was stored when the famine happened. And then whole the village was saved. So the head of the, in the village was so respected, you know, after hundreds of years. So if you have more than enough, this is a time to share. And if you are struggling, this is a time to ask for help. Yeah. No, I think that's a big lesson because I think this shame around asking for help is often reinforced in the Western countries when actually if you start developing those invisible assets, which is you might come to a time that you need to ask for help. And I think if we're always being kind, building community and connecting with people, reaching out, checking on each other, if you are in a position where you can give, giving willingly and openly actually allows you to increase that flow, which I know is a big topic we spoke about last time, which is it's not just about hoarding money and keeping it into a safe, but how do you allow it to circulate? Which was a bit of the question that I might have for somebody who might be, you know, maybe you're not in danger, right? You're comfortable but you'd love to be able to maximize your own flow to be able to be in a position where you could support others if it comes to that and be able to generously support yourself and your family and community as well. And so when it comes to maximizing that flow, I could understand that, you know, nurturing those invisible assets is a big thing. Are there some other ways that we can be more proactive in making sure that we have a good relationship and that flow is as big as it can be for what we want to achieve? I think for the next month and uh, next few years, we can transform your visible assets into invisible assets. So for example, if an international crisis happens and then your dollars and yens will lose some values, you know, because I don't know what's going to happen, but at least some of the you know, currencies will just lose value because we inflated you know, the value of our currency so badly. So are we going to experience any kind of those? But if you say, for example, if you take a uh, hundred friends for good dinner, it may cost $50, you know, so you may lose $5,000 of a visible asset, but in their memory, you know, 100 friends, remember you treated them. So after the next currency, you know, happens, <laughs> they can treat you back. So 
that's what I mean, you know. I'm just talking figuratively. So if you can have a good memory, if you can make a good impression to people around you, they remember you as who you are. And then in the next economic system, after we survive the whole thing, there will be some kind of new currency and new financial system. And then we'll go to a haircut, we go to school, we eat, we go to a restaurant, we need a car. So there will be some kind of a financial system in the next five years or 10 years. So if you turn your visible asset, which is now you can use it for somebody now, you'll be remembered as a trustworthy person. And I think that is something that you can do. So I'm giving a lot of free seminars for people. They feel the change and they so appreciate me. So in five years, they can start coming back again. And then I'm not expecting them to do something like that, but I'm just giving so freely so people re remember me as a generous person. And I think it's a big PR too at the same time because people will remember who you are. Yeah, I like the way that you're thinking and I can see this happening, especially with your closer communities, like you're all going to support each other. And the way that I'm seeing you explain it is if the, all the currencies that are currently visible are going to be transformed and we don't know what they're going to be worth, well, you know that you can invest them now into invisible assets, which will always grow, will always be there and will be able to navigate the changes of what is the instrument of exchange of the times if they do happen to change over time. And you touched on the fact that you're doing a lot of free content as someone who's, you know, a teacher, a specialist, and an expert to be able to educate people. And that's a big way of giving, but to a very large community, it's, it's almost like a public community, which makes me think about this whole idea of building your personal brand. And I'd love to know when you speak of invisible assets, are we talking about things that are very much about building your personal brand? Or are you talking about more of a smaller type of community within your own little village or your own circle of friends? I think both. Because say, for example, if you take your friends out for dinner or lunch, or even if I take a lot of strangers out for lunch, you know, sometimes I do hold a party for 200 people. I pay everything for, you know, in a way to show my appreciation to support me as a writer. Last year, it was the 20th anniversary of my debut. So I supported a lot of people. I wanted to pay back. So I do a lot of those. And that could be more of a personal brand. And at the same time, if you were taking a lot of friends for lunch and dinner, if he or she is a government bureaucrat, that's regarded as a bribe. But if you're a private citizen, it's a bribe because you get them to like you. But still, you know, it works. Unless they're working for government, you should do a lot of nice things to people and then it'll come back. <laughs> So we'd be nice to everyone except those in the government. <laughs> well, it's a crime. <laughs> What's fascinating about what you say is like, imagine that it's such a gesture that creates such a value incentive that it has to be made illegal in public facing individuals. Why wouldn't we be using it within our private ways of doing business? If you're trying to stay focused on getting work done and eating throughout the day is something you think about, have to decide, and you're not sure what to do, and you just wish an option was available where the right meal with all of the specifications you want be available to you, easy to make, under two minutes, 
Well, luckily for you, Factor is available where you have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie. And you can enjoy over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to help you make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So what are you waiting for? You can get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking up for something fast that's upscale option done very easily. It's flexible on your schedule where you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep necessary. They're 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup necessary. Head to factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and use code sellingwithlove50 to get 50% off. That's code sellingwithlove50 at factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and you'll get 50% off. Not bad. I had a chance to work for the government of Canada for a while, which was actually in procurement. And I thought it was, you know, to me, it was like, yeah, you just go and you buy things. But I was like, wow, okay, governments buy really complicated and expensive things. And I can see how there's massive incentive to try to influence decision makers because those are million dollars, multi-million dollar contracts. And I just realized like, oh my God, like the power of relationships that you can nurture in private organizations that aren't allowed in public make things so much more efficient in the private sector that I had an appreciation for, okay, the government needs to do this to be as fair. But then as we're private citizens, we actually get to operate in exchange, make some favors, develop relationships. It's not necessarily the most fair way that you decide to organize your supply chain, but that's the way we want to do it so that they're part of our greater family, our greater community, our greater ecosystem. And I think as we're going out there building our personal brands, whether it's employees we're getting, suppliers or partners within our organization, fans and clients, this is all you building your little ecosystem that allows you to have that invisible asset as if things are out there and they change, you're still having that type of community that you've built. You get to have support from, you get to support them, and you all get to navigate this and make this a little less painful to navigate the tougher times. And, you know, to me, that's the biggest thing that happens as a shift of mindset when I have conversations with you is like, hey, I think I'm doing okay being very helpful because I see a lot of frustrations amongst creators saying, I give away for free so much, but I just can't monetize. And there's that kind of sense of disappointment and frustrations from that space. And I'm sure you probably work with a lot of individuals that might have a similar opinion. Are you suggesting just keep on going and it will pay back? <laughs> so one of the national bestsellers that I wrote uh, 10 years ago, the title is Do What You Love and Make Sure Money Follows You. <laughs> no, that it's a long title, but I wanted to explain what it is, you know, what's involved in the whole thing. You know, a lot of people do the first half, do what you love, but they forget to make sure that money follows after you. You know, money doesn't come by itself. You have to make a system. For example, I have one of the largest online salons in Japan. So I have tens of thousands of people who keep paying $8.88 per month. So I don't need to write, you know, they are my, almost like a family, big family members. They support one another. They function without me. So I created a whole ecosystem that people can support one another. If you're a member of my Ken Honda Online Salon, you're a good person. And then, you know, a lot of people become friends. They're getting married. And a lot of great stuff is happening. So once you have that kind of ecosystem, you're okay. But 
if you do what you love and then forget to make sure the system works, you know, you're just a volunteer. And if you're financially okay, that's one way of doing it. But if you want to monetize it, you have to make sure that money will come into you without demanding it. Yep. I'm glad you bring that up because, well, for those who are listening to this podcast, we share plenty of ideas on how to actually build the business system and the sales system so that you can monetize on your idea. So doing what you love is only the first part. And then building the system is a big, big part that we want to make sure to reinforce. Speaking of those systems, there's a very interesting system that everyone's been talking about. And I'd love to know what your relationships and thoughts are with that. And I found it hilarious. When I went to review our last conversation, I mentioned that there were some cool tools that were coming out that were creating these lovely pictures and arts using AI. And within less than a year, the world of AI has really expanded at a pace that I don't think anybody could have anticipated. And it doesn't look like it's slowing down. Matter of fact, it's picking up. And as we're looking to you know, navigate these financial times, jobs are being restructured. We want to continue to make the flows happen. We want to manage these relationships. And now you have this tool called AI, whether that's the chat GPT or it's, you know, the different arts that are coming out with it. I'd love to know what are your thoughts about this emerging technology of AI and how are things that we should be aware of and if it's going to impact us financially? I think a lot of things are going to be free. You know, if you're a mediocre writer or artist, you know, AI can replace you <laughs> in two seconds. So you have to be unique. But, you know, what is interesting is that it's just about the relationship, you know, People don't pay for the art by itself. People pay for the stories behind the art. And people want to pay you, Jason, because you're such a wonderful human being. So you may be able to learn from some of the other YouTube channel, but people want to be connected with you, Jason. People want to pay you. People want to support you and your family. So that's why people pay you. So a lot of us feel like we have to give in order to receive. It's like a give and take relationship. But a lot of things are actually, these transactions are done with love and friendship. Like baseball you know, teams and basketball teams. I always talk about it. Say you're a fan of for Red Sox or you know some soccer team. And it's understandable that the best and the strongest team get all the fans. And also the worst teams, you know, people feel for it. You know, so like always the bottom, you know, people feel like a lot of the People want to support the losers. But the mysterious thing is that all the teams in the middle, still they have fans too. So what is interesting is that even though you're not the best or the worst, you can have fans. And fans are somebody who support you, support your work. You know, probably like 80% of what Jason teaches or what I teach is written somewhere else. So chat GPI can do the same thing. Sometimes I wonder why I attract thousands of people, you know, whatever I say is written somewhere, you know, <laughs> if you have enough eyes to look for it, it's public knowledge. But people want to listen through Ken Honda. People want to listen through Jason Campbell. So that's what counts. So don't be afraid. Don't be scared. You know, don't try to just smash your computers. You know, they're not the enemies. <laughs> so relationship is everything. That's why you have to be authentic. And then you open up yourself and this is me, this is what I do. And then if you share your heart, enough people will support you. Just imagine if 20 people pay $20 every month to support you. 
if you get 100 people to just become a member, it's about $2,000, right? And if you have $500, you already have $10,000 income, which is fairly comfortable, right? Where I don't know wherever. If you live in New York, maybe that's too small. But if you have $10,000 a month income, I think that's doable in many cities. So if you have only 200 people all over the world to like you, to believe in you, to support you, you're all set. So I think the first 30 people are the keys. First five people are the keys, you know. And I have encouraged so many people have done it. Hundreds and thousands of people are just following my formula. And they're doing fine. You know, they're not the top of the kind of game, but they are cute. They are, you know, funny. They are nice. They are generous. They are fun. So if you can resonate with your own tribe, you're all set. That is, I think, a powerful reminder for a lot of us who might be thinking we need to be the best at everything we do. We have to be unique and create content that's never been created before. <laughs> and one of the things oh, I always, I share this myself. I'm like, I teach nothing new in my book. Matter of fact, there's this old book called The Greatest Salesman in the World that was written in the 60s. And it talks about these letters that have been written by one of the wealthiest men. And the first thing that he speaks about in sales is love. Love is the first of the secrets around selling. And so I don't teach anything new. I simply remind people of what's been always true. And I think in your case, you're probably doing some similar things. And I think we underestimate how simple it can be to find those 30 people, to find those five people, and to make sure that you're caring for them, you're being authentic. And so I find that so refreshing, Ken. And well, on a side note, I will say I am grateful that I got my book to come out before ChatGPT, <laughs> because now I know that I've put in the work to write that book. It might be a lot easier to write a book now. Again, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. It's refreshing, especially in a time where there seems to be more fear and more anxiety. And, you know, I just want to turn the attention to some of the cool projects that I know you're working on. And one of the things that I found fascinating is that, you know, we've seen the things like Silicon Valley Bank go down and some of these turbulences in the financial sector. And I know you have a book that's very popular in English called Where Is My Money? And you share a beautiful story about a fictional city. And I think it's a powerful story that I think we might need to be reminded of. I'd love for you to share a bit more about that and how we can apply it to today's climate. <laughs> so I wrote about, I think it's right after the Lehman shock, you know, brothers just going down. It's Where Is My Money Gone is a title. So it's about an elephant village. It's called Moneyville. So there it's a elephant, a peaceful village somewhere in the world. And then there are four graduates of a grade school, you know, so their 10-year reunion is coming up. So these four, one is local baker, right? So he never got out the small town and the other three just went out. And then the smartest one comes back with the idea of hedge funds. And then he says, if you just deposit this money to this bank, it's going to grow your money. So you don't have to work for the rest of your life. And elephants are so excited if this is true. You know, this is great. Thank you. You know, and then everybody rushes to the bank with their own money. And then a little elephant boy says, okay, but, you know, I understand that they put all the money in, but is it really true that they have all the money in the bank? Deposit safe box? And then the, all the elephants are saying, hmm, that's true. You know, if all the money is in there, you know, what's going to happen? And then the whole thing is going to collapse. So that's what's happening. Yeah. 
So there's a level of trust that we need to keep having within the banks. And I think if we all start freaking out and asking questions, that money needs to continue to flow. It needs to go out and circulate in the world as well. So of course, it's not all there. And the fear that we have, obviously people maybe running on the banks and such might be a little amplified in causing the problem in the first place. But I'd be curious to know if, from your opinion, there's times where we have to trust the system, but there's also times where, you know, people got cut off from people that seem trustworthy, such as like the FTX by Sam something, something, even if you go a few years back, you had the Bernie Madoff situation. Did you have some final words of advice as far as like, as we're going and navigating these times, you know, are there some red flags we should look for if ever we are placing our money or we are working with certain individuals that might not necessarily be worthy of our trust? I think don't put your money in the same place. You know, some of it should be in real gold coins and some of it you should have in cash. Some of it could be cryptocurrency. I'm not really just for that idea because, you know, people say, all oh, the logs are registered, so your money is safe. But in fact, it's not. But as long as you know where it is, it's okay. So you have to have certain things. But I think the most important thing is your skills to create money and abundance. So as long as you have that, you're all set. Ken, thank you once again for coming back on the show and sharing so much of these insights. I, again, just appreciate the time you put aside to help us navigate these times, to share your ideas, and to really just bring a bit more lightness around the topic of money. For those of you who've paid attention, you know, we've really wanted to navigate a bit of what's going on, knowing that, listen, our relationship with money is going to be a big factor on how we navigate these times and a reinforcement of how these invisible assets will be some of the most important things you can invest in. These are the ways that you show up, provide value, care for others, and reinvest in making sure that you're building the communities, whether that's your close family, your relationships with friends, the personal brand that you're building out there and the attention that you're gathering and building trust in the process, these are some of the most important things that we can do. So that regardless if we're paying ourselves in US dollars, in yens, in potatoes, whatever the future is going to be on the way that we exchange, it's always going to be based on value. And one of the most valuable things we can have is a powerful community. Ken, thank you so much again for sharing and for all of you listening in, keep having happy money and of course, keep selling with love. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.